I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and welcome to Sports Psychology Today. It's produced in partnership with The Washington Times. If you'd like to listen to more episodes of our show, go to thewashingtontimes.com. And for more information on our podcast or to advertise with us, go to winnersunlimited.com or email us at drj at winnersunlimited.com. Our show's been here for a while now, and I love doing this show every week because we talk about sports psychology. I've been a sports psychologist in Kansas City. I'm going into my 37th year now. And one of my passions is the world of youth sports. As a parent of two sons who are now in their 20s who participated in many sports growing up, my youngest son swam until his senior year in college at New York University, I've seen the world of youth sports change. From my days back in the 60s growing up, participating in sports, different sports, different seasons, now we're at a time in youth sports where kids specialize at younger and younger ages. They play one sport year-round, and they get burned out and stressed out and want to quit by the time they're 8 and 9. Back when I grew up, kids were just getting started on teams at 8 and 9. Now we're getting youth sports leagues getting started at younger and younger ages, and there's more and more pressure to win at younger and younger ages. There's more and more pressure to get your child signed up at a younger and younger age in an organized team, and then not only play on that team, but train year-round. Train in that sport year-round. So instead of playing football in the fall, basketball in the winter, or baseball or some spring sport in the spring, you're playing baseball not just in the spring but year-round. When the season ends and your summer season ends in late July, then you're in off-season training from the end of July all the way through January or February when your season starts. And we're finding this in many sports now, and the amount of money that parents are spending is exorbitant, sometimes over seven to $10,000 a year on their youth sports. There was a quote from a parent in a uh, paper in Minneapolis that said a father was averaging $7,500 a year on his daughter's softball, and that didn't even include the travel expenses. So we're seeing higher and higher costs and more and more demands to play youth sports year-round and specialize in a sport year-round. Is this healthy? Is it good for kids? For the most part, I don't think it is. I think kids should be able to play a sport, have fun, enjoy the experience, and learn about themselves. I think the whole purpose of playing sports is the enjoyment. But unfortunately, adults get too involved. There are a lot of people making a lot of money on youth sports, whether it's organizing tournaments, coaching, setting up traveling schedules, producing trophies, ribbons, plaques, awards. It's a whole industry now. And it's great. It's great that kids are playing sports. But are we putting too much pressure on kids to play and to win at such a young age? In my perspective, we are. Today we're going to talk to Dan Klinkhammer, the Executive Director of the Minnesota Youth Athletic Services. He's been involved in sports for a long time as a participant, coaching, and now as a Director of the Minnesota Youth Athletic Services. And we're going to discuss this issue, the world of youth sports, what's changed, what's good, and what's bad. And now I'm going to talk to Daniel Klinkhammer. He is the Executive Director of the Minnesota Youth Athletic Services. He's been involved in sports for a long time, over 40 years. As a participant, as a coach, he's worked in a variety of capacities in Minnesota. He's also a military veteran, so I want to thank you, Dan, for your service in the military for what you've done for us. And I want to talk with you today just about this whole issue of youth sports, how it's changed since you were a youngster, your perspective in terms of where youth sports is today, and just the pressures and the financial demands placed on kids today and parents and families. Because you know, research has found that there's been a decrease in youth sports participation, even though that seems 
highly unlikely when you see kids playing and all these organized activities everywhere. But youth sports participation in our country has gone down. But what we're finding now is that families are spending thousands and thousands of dollars each year on their kids participating in sports. And it's not just, you know, playing football in the fall or basketball in the winter or baseball in the spring. It's playing football year-round because when the football season ends, then you train all year-round. When the baseball season ends, you train all year-round. Same with basketball. Their sports specialization is happening now for teams and youngsters at younger and younger ages. And it's a concern that I'm having because I'm feeling that a lot of families can't financially afford this. You, you know, you have to keep up your training. You have to pay for all this extensive work in the off-season, coaching, all kinds of things to keep up with your kids being able to play at the level they want to play. So I want to get your opinions on this, and let's get into conversation. So first of all, thanks for joining me this morning. I appreciate it very much. Let me get your, your opinion on where you think youth sports is today. Well, I, I think uh, where I'd like to start is just to kind of go backwards a little bit, and, and in about a minute I can bring you up to uh, 2017. But I'm, I was born in 52, so my childhood was uh, through the 50s and the 60s, graduated in 1970, and uh, uh, pretty much during that period of time, you know, sports was, uh, you played it because it was fun. You didn't play it because it was a avenue for a college scholarship. But what happened in the uh, starting about in the 80s, the uh, park and recs decided to start defunding some of their uh, youth sport programs and activities. The schools did the same thing, and by about at least here in Minnesota, anyway, by the late 80s, uh, uh, so much of that uh, youth sports stuff had been defunded by the public agencies that the whole youth sports scene was kind of tossed into the lap of uh, the parents. And so uh, if I go back to 1980, almost 100% of uh, U sports being run by park and rec and schools. And by 19, early 90s, mid-90s, a good share of it had been transferred over to those parent volunteers who still wanted to have the programs, but uh, the schools and the park and rec and community eds had discontinued it. So what happened there was the transfer of administrative powers went from agencies and professionals to parent volunteers. Uh, here in Minnesota, uh, just like every other state, you have a, uh, we have the Minnesota State High School League, which is the governing body for uh, high school athletics in the state of Minnesota. Well, back in the late 80s and early 90s, Mike Cristobal said that there needed to be some sort of a similar uh, agency to help these parent volunteer organizations you know, do, do youth sports uh, in, in the correct manner. So that's why we started the Minnesota Youth Athletic Services. But uh, to tell you about how things have changed, in uh, 1988, here in the Twin Cities metro area, there are only nine girls basketball, traveling basketball teams in the entire metro area. Uh, five years later, there were close to 400 of those. Same thing, same evolution happened with the uh, boys basketball. So as, as we uh, developed all of these parent volunteer organizations and and they do everything from uh, recreational and in-house uh, type programs to traveling. And uh, what, what I've seen in the last, I've actually been the executive director, I'm the founder of the Minnesota Youth Athletic Services in the last 26 years, what I've seen is a drastic change from kids playing for fun to kids playing for some other mission, meaning college scholarship, uh, medals, awards, trophies, et cetera, et cetera. So, there's been, uh, there's been a tremendous shift 
uh, in American uh, youth sports scene from playing for fun to playing for another reason. Sports is a 15, youth sports is a $15 billion industry. And what we're seeing is the offseason is going away. There is no offseason in a lot of sports anymore because you've got pay-to-play club sports that are going on. So when high school or your youth sport year ends in your sport, then you're playing or practicing year-round because there's, you know, I, I've, I've said, Dan, for a long time, one of the big things is that the whole money, somebody's making money. You've got coaches making money. You have leagues making money. You have organ- people organizi- organizing tournaments making money. Somebody's out there making money on this. And so they're seeing, why don't we get youth sports leagues at younger and younger ages? I mean, we're getting competitive leagues now for kids at age four, which to me is absurd. And I've said for years on my radio show in Kansas City, I know pe- a lot of people think it's silly, but I, I think it's going to happen. I think we're on the, the pathway for a competitive league for pregnant women at some point. You know, we're getting competitive leagues for younger and younger kids. I, I, I won't be surprised if there's some kind of competitive league for pregnant women coming on sooner or later. And, and neither, neither would I. It's, uh, uh, it's really, in my opinion, again, it's reached the point of uh, being quite ridiculous. And it, I don't know how you put the, the uh, horse back in the barn on this one, but you're exactly right in that uh, my comment in the Star Tribune article about clubs versus community uh, and school activities, you know, it really, uh, it all uh, went back to these clubs that are out there. They're, you know, we, we created the Minnesota Youth Athletic Services. The Minnesota State High School League, they, they exist as service organizations. My comment in the paper was, hey, everybody's got to get it to their head that these clubs, they are a business for about 95% of the people running the clubs. Uh, I'm not suggesting that none of them do things that are beneficial, because some of them do, but for the most part, in my personal experience in dealing with these uh, club directors, way too many of them are doing it for uh, one of two reasons, uh, money or ego. Exactly, exactly, and that's that's one of the problems. Now, we have this issue now with, with these situations where, you know, there there are statements from a lot of people. I have a quote from a, an article where a parent said his family has spent $7,500 per year on softball for his daughter. And he said that's on the conservative side. $7,500 a year for tournament fees, traveling costs, uniforms, coaches' fees, and extensive training. You know, and that's starting at probably age 8 and 9. So you multiply that times 10, so that's $75,000 you spent on softball by the time your daughter's college age. How much is college tuition? Well, there's at least two, maybe three years of college tuition right there. Now, I'm not saying kids shouldn't be playing. I'm, I, I, I think sports is the greatest way to learn about yourself, physically, psychologically, emotionally, spiritually. There are all kinds of ways we learn and grow from sports. But I think one of the problems we've got today is it's what's, what's the other kid doing? What's, what's my son's classmate doing? And we better do this or we'll fall behind. I, I share the story many times. My oldest son, Jonathan, is now 27. When he was enrolling in kindergarten, the day before kindergarten started, I got a call, Dan, from a, a dad who was starting a kindergarten soccer team. He got everybody's name and phone number off the door of the classroom, and he said, we're starting this kindergarten soccer team. want to know if your son wants to sign up. And I said, well, thanks for calling, but we're not interested right now. He's, he's really not too interested in soccer. He likes playing catch. And this gentleman who didn't have any idea who I was, said, well, you don't understand, sir. If your son doesn't start playing now, he'll fall behind everybody else. I said, how could he fall behind everyone else? He hasn't even started kindergarten yet. He goes, well, obviously you don't know much about sports. 
So it, it's uh, you're hitting the nail on the head here. The what, what I've often thought is it, well, that's that's a good example of you know keeping up with the Joneses, and that is uh, very uh, alive and well in just about every uh, uh, city, state, county, whatever in Minnesota and the rest of the country. They they think that they have to do this, but you know if you talk to uh, uh, professional athletes, they'll basically tell you that hey, if you if your kids got the talent, they're gonna the, they will find their way or someone will find them. You know, it's not necessarily a matter of playing basketball or baseball or football or whatever 12 months out of the year. You know, I've often thought, and here's my million-dollar idea for you today, Dr. Jacobs, somebody should be writing a book uh, uh, titled View Sports for Dummies. And that book should be handled to every parent the day that their kid is born, where they uh, uh, hopefully would be get an understanding of, uh, what are all the different youth sport options out there from recreational to in-house to local traveling to national traveling to elite, blah, blah, blah. But most of the parents don't know what they're really supposed to be doing. And we refer to it here in Minnesota as the invisible umbilical cord. At every youth event that you have, there is that invisible umbilical cord is attached from that parent to that child out on the field or out on the court. And I, I don't have a scissors or knife large enough to cut that, nor should we. But my, my point here is that the parents today are doing everything that they think that they're supposed to be doing to give their kids the best opportunity to succeed. You know, and uh, to succeed these days, my, my parents were happy to see me having fun. Now I, uh, the parents expect their kids to win or they're failing. Well, Dan, the book Youth Sports for Dummies actually is the uh... – book we wrote it's not titled that it's caught titled just let them play guiding parents coaches and athletes for youth sports that i wrote with royals hall of fame pitcher jeff montgomery and pete malone who's in the olympic swimming hall of fame as a coach coach five gold medalists in the olympics that's exactly why we wrote our book and we talk about all this in the book but when we talk about the whole world of youth sports and how to make it fun and here's the thing and i agree with you 100 percent. i think it starts with the parents and we emphasize this in our book but it starts with you as a parent making decisions about what's right or wrong for your son or daughter based on what you think, not one of what everybody else thinks. Statistics basically show that, you, as we said at the top of the top of our interview here, that the world of youth sports has decreased in terms of participation in our country quite a bit over the past two or three years. We're seeing more and more competitions, more and more leagues set up, but a lot of kids are dropping out, and they're dropping out at younger and younger ages because they're starting at younger and younger ages. They're starting at four and five, and by the time they're eight and nine, they don't want to do it anymore. Because it's not fun. The emphasis is put on results. So I think the answer, Dan, starts with this. And this is where I think in terms of what we're talking about this morning. What can parents do? How can parents play a role? We talk about this in our book, but the, the bottom line is this. You as a parent, it's up to you to make the decision about what's best for your son or daughter. And if you're so caught up with what everybody else is doing, you're going to get your kid, your son or daughter signed up in that team because everybody else is doing it. And then when the season ends, you've got to do off-seasons and training because if you don't, you'll fall behind. That's where I think the mistakes are made because, as you said, everyone's trying to compete with everyone else. That's where, as an individual parent, it's your responsibility to decide what's best for our family, what's best for our child. They're eight. They don't need to play this sport year-round. And we're seeing a, a tremendous increase in youth sports injuries from sports specialization with kids. I know Dr. Steve Joyce, who wrote a chapter in our book about the whole medical aspect and the injury aspect is going on in youth sports, has told me many times. He's now having Tommy John surgeries on 11- and 12-year-olds, which is absurd, and that's from overuse. And that's where I think it's important that kids be involved, and I want to get your opinion on this. 
They should play a youth sport and a team, an individual sport and a youth team sport, both individual and team sports growing up, and they should move around. Why? Years ago, I was the University of Kansas' first sports psychologist, and Larry Brown was the basketball coach there. I spent a lot of time with the basketball team, 1983-84, and Coach Brown told me something that stuck with me over the years, Dan, that every kid should play an individual sport and a team sport because they learn different things from both. I want to get your opinions on that. I couldn't agree with that more. Um, I did. I was born and raised in a small southwestern Wisconsin community, Bloomington, Wisconsin, population 700, and and uh, I was a four-sport athlete. I did football in the fall, basketball in the winter, and then baseball and track and field at the same time in the spring. Coach Brown is absolutely right. You learn different things from different uh, activities and, and different uh, endeavors. There, uh, I my my opinion on the sports specialization thing is. I think that it's okay for a, uh, an athlete to uh, specialize in a sport, but I, if I had to put an age on it, I'd say about 15 years old. And it needs to be the athlete's decision, not mom, not dad, not some high school coach somewhere. If that person, you know, I, I've always felt that every athlete should have an avenue to reach their maximum performance levels. And some kids, you know, are just happy playing center field and watching the airplanes fly over. And other kids want to be that superstar. They have the ability, they have the desire to, to be whatever they want to be there. So it, it, I think it is absolutely important to pose to different things and not worry about specializing in anything until much further down the road when they're able to make that decision. How do we get parents to realize that, though, Dan? I mean, that's that's the problem I think we're facing right now. So many parents don't seem to understand the importance of this because they're so caught up with, well, we better do what everybody else is doing or we're going to fall behind. What do you think, you know, in your role up in Minnesota with, with the agency you're working with, how do, how do we get parents to realize this? Well, what we're doing here in Minnesota on this exact topic is, you know, we're, uh, we're this uh, hub of the U-Sport network here, you know, in Minnesota. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to get everybody to uh, uh, do U-Sports right. In fact, that's the motto that we have printed on the front of our building. And so we are working uh, with all of the youth baseball, youth basketball, youth wrestling, youth swimming organizations. Those are our four primary sports. We're working with all of those organizations so that when they have their preseason parent meetings, and they all do that, you know, rather than just say, here's your schedule and here's where we're playing and here's where we're practicing stuff, we're trying to encourage everybody to actually sit down and say, okay, parents, here's the philosophy of our organization. You need to buy into this philosophy, you know, or it's just not going to work for you or your kid. So I, I'm a, a, a complete believer in that education is the only way to kind of help minimize these problems. And the only way to do that is since I can't talk to every parent, and we, we, literally we had 175,000 kids play in our various programs last year. I don't have time and my staff doesn't have time to talk individually with every one of those parents because we don't have access to them. But we do have access to them through the youth sport organizations, through the schools, through the community ads, through the agencies that we work with. So we have a, uh, we have a, a definitive effort. We are making a definitive effort here in Minnesota to kind of get that word out. But I will also tell you this. I know for a fact that that message is going to fall on deaf ears on about 20% of the parents that we talk to. So how do we change that? From your perspective, how do we change that? Well, I, you know what? I wish I had that magic bullet. I really do. Uh, all, all we can do is, uh, you know, it, this is, it reminds me, here's, here's the situation. It reminds me of 
when you're watching TV, the guy who is 300 pounds overweight already, when the commercial comes on for the uh, uh, for the workout center or whatever, well, that's when he gets up to go get another beer and a bag of chips. So that's that 20% that I'm kind of talking about. I don't know how you get that across to them. I, I do think that the high school coaches are a great conduit for this, but unfortunately the high school coaches don't get to these kids and these parents until they become freshmen in high school. So it's really that that fourth grade through eighth grade level, that, that we're, that's, that's our primary focus. We have to figure out a way how to get that message out to people. And then uh, I've always thought that the, every, every team should have sort of a uh, youth sports cop, on, you know, a, a parent volunteer, so that when they see people acting up in the stands and uh, handling this whole youth sports situation in an inappropriate manner, that somebody on the inside you know, brings this out somehow or another in a, in a, in a way that's not going to start a fist fight in the stands, you know, but somebody's, it's got to be policed internally. That's kind of my point. Okay. So education is what I'm hearing you talk about. Basically, that's the key thing. How do we educate parents to understand what's going to be best for their kids, what's going to be best for them, and how do we get them to really look at the big picture? That, that's what I'm hearing you say. Well, I think that, you know, it's going to have to be a, a, a community effort, so to speak, meaning that, you know, we've got to get the high school coaches to sing the right song. We've got to get the college coaches to sing the right song. We've got to get the pros to sing the right song. That's going to be kind of, kind of difficult. But the reality here is that what's happened with, you know, I'm not a carpenter, so I don't know anything about make, building a cabinet. I'm not a plumber, so I don't know how to uh, manage the, the plumbing in my house here. But guess what? Everybody's got a radio and everybody's got a TV and everybody's watching sports on TV and they all become Monday morning quarterbacks. So everybody currently thinks that they already know the best. I know for a fact here, Dr. Jacobs, that there will be people listening to this and they'll go, oh, that Klinkhammer, he's a crackpot. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And that Dr. Jacobs, he's living in a different, in a different world too. So there's just some people that you'll never be able to get to, but hopefully, like I say, the inter- if it's a big enough effort, and this is this is kind of pie in the sky, I understand that, but uh, we, we've we've actually been pretty successful here in Minnesota in getting most of the parents on the right page, and uh, hopefully we can keep them there. But there's always going to be that select few that you just can't get to. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Our show is brought to you by TheWashingtonTimes.com. You can find our podcast there or on our website at WinnersUnlimited.com. You know, Dan, when we look at this topic, okay, and it's, it's obviously a topic that's going to be talked about for a long time with a lot of people because youth sports has so many kids involved, so many kids participating at so many different levels, but the bottom line is dealing with the parents. And I think if we can educate parents more than anything else, and I think that's what your job with the Minnesota Youth Athletic Services does, try to educate parents about the positives and negatives about participation in sports and about having parents make the decisions about what's best for their child. If, if, you know, I think if a child wants to play sports at age four or five, they see something on TV, they want to start getting involved. Great. Get them involved, find a league where they can play, learn skills, learn, learn the techniques, learn the fundamentals and winning and losing should never be the priority until, as we said, probably middle school. In our opinion, in our book, just let them play. We talk about middle school is really the age about where, where I think winning and losing should start to play a role. Up to that, shouldn't even be an issue. It should just be more of the focus on learning, growing, having fun, and developing. And I think that's, that's the key thing we need to focus on. Get your point, opinions on that. Well, here, uh, what, I, what I'd like to tell you today is that they said that you asked about how do we educate people. Well, uh, about 
two and a half years ago, we created a thing here in Minnesota. It's an online training coach. It's an online uh, training program for coaches. We call it Trusted Coaches, and it features four things: a national background check, uh, a first aid uh, training, concussion training that's certified by the CDC, and then we utilize the PCA, the Positive Coaching Alliance, as our coaches education piece. Through that endeavor, what we're trying to do is we realize that the individual that has the most influence on the kids is obviously the coach. The coach is also the one who has the most daily interaction with the parents. So if we can get the coaches to start believing that this is the right way to do uh, youth sports and the other way isn't, you know, if we can get the coaches kind of turned around, they really are going to wind up being the conduit, you know, down the road for getting everybody else on the same page. Well, I think you've hit it on the head, and it sounds like you're working on that up in Minnesota. I know the purpose of this show, and we do it every week, is to try to get people to understand the ups and downs of youth sports and, and, and sports psychology, just the whole mental side of sports, and why working with kids, working with coaches, and educating the parents and coaches about the best way to deal with things for their kids and make youth sports fun is what this show's about. Dan Klinkhammer, I want to thank you so much for joining me. Great points this morning. If people want to get a hold of you, how can they reach you? Well, I, my email address is dan at myas.org, and they can certainly call me at our uh, Minnesota office here, and that's area code 763-746-1714. Dan, thanks so much for joining me this morning. Continued success, and good luck with you. I appreciate your time. Right back at you. Thank you, and good luck with your crusade. Thank you. I want to thank Dan Klinkhammer for joining us this morning. That was a great interview with great feedback that he gave us and information that I think if you're a parent, I think it's good information you can share with other parents and, and, and take to heart. I think he's got a good point, and he understands the world of youth sports. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and you've been listening to Sports Psychology Today. Our show is produced in partnership with The Washington Times. And for more episodes, you can go to thewashingtontimes.com. And for more information on the podcast or advertise here, go to Winners Unlimited or email us at drj at winnersunlimited.com. Whoever you're listening, please check in again for our latest episode. Have a great day, and thanks for listening.